What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Ryan De La Haas. Uh, he enunciates that in Spanish for us right at the beginning of the show. Uh, he joined me via Skype from his studio in San Francisco. And, you know, it, it was cool. We had a really, we had a really interesting conversation um, scanning all sorts of weird topics like usual. But it's, it's always like I get a little nervous before shows where I haven't really interacted with somebody before. Most of the guests on the show I've had some sort of interaction with via like the internet or, you know, doing shows together or being, or, you know, being in the same neighborhood for something or whatever. So whenever a new guest comes on that I haven't had a conversation with or talked to even a little bit, it, uh, it makes me a little nervous. And it, and then it's so relieving when, when you can have an, an interesting, free-flowing, fun conversation. So um, we talk about Spanish, wine, San Francisco, the Boston bombings, bonding, balance, Ruka, being in your 30s, Paul Urich, small kiosk design, cool try, having fun, and getting weird. So as always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com. Click on the podcast link there. You'll uh, you'll be able to subscribe in iTunes on that page if you want to. Just click the little iTunes icon. Uh, you can donate to the podcast over there. There's a PayPal icon. Just click on that. You could drop a buck. You could drop ten bucks. You could drop a hundred bucks. You could drop ten G's if you wanted to. I don't know who would do that, but if you wanted to drop ten G's, you could do that. Also, you can click on the blog over there and get more detailed information about each guest that's been on the show, uh, links to their websites, their Twitters and blogs and, and all that fun stuff. You can get some images of their show. And again, on the blog, you can also donate, subscribe. You can get the MP3s right from there. So if you don't listen on iTunes, you could listen right through the show. I know some people have told me that some of the episodes have not downloaded all the way for some of them. And, I don't know. It it, see, it works every time for me. I know on the website, sometimes the files load a little slow. Um, I need to do a little bit of design work on the site. Um, but if that happens, just scroll around. If you like, take the cursor and move it around a little bit, it'll load the page a little faster. Like when you get impatient for something and you like click it, like when you're crossing the street and you hit the button like 10 times even though you only have to hit it once and you know that, but you keep hitting it like it's going to make the light change faster. Um, try that on the, the MP3 page. It might be, I, and I don't know if, people are, if, if it's people on their phone who are having troubles, but um, if you are, just be patient. They're on there. Um, I haven't had any troubles downloading on my side. So as always, um, I'm happy to announce uh, this episode being sponsored by Freakware. Dot com. That's F-R-E-K-W-A-R-E.com. They're an awesome t-shirt company out of Los Angeles. Um, make sure you go follow them on Twitter and Facebook. That's Freakware, F-R-E-K-W-A-R-E. It's the hardy son, gangster E. Uh, <laughs> they're, um, they're getting ready to, to put out some new designs, working with some new artists, and got a bunch of stuff going on. Make sure you go check out freakware.com. That's F-R-E-K-W-A-R-E. You can use the code word LIVEFREE and save yourself 20%. So you won't have to pay taxes on that shit. Um, make sure you use the code word, though, LIVEFREE. And we're going to set up a contest or some type of game that we could do to try to give some stuff away, too. So keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, go pick up the crow shirt. That shit's the jam. And lady listeners, I know there's 40% of you out there. The hummingbird tea that they got is super dope. I like all their bird stuff for some reason, but I guess I'm sort of into that. And my girl's into that too. So uh, guys, if uh, you want to get your chick a shirt, save 20%. Use code word live free. Get that hummingbird joint and uh, put some smiles on your ladies' faces. And vice versa, ladies for your men's, if you want to go grab something, use that code word live free. Uh, check them out. They're super rad, like individualistic people that are, are interested in folks who are off the mainstream and sometimes become referred to as freaks, but in the most positive of freak ways. So with all that said, if you freaks are ready, 
Uh, without further ado, Mr. Ryan De La House. All right, let's give Ryan a call. Ryan De La Haz, how are you? Hey, how's it going, man? Did I uh, did I pronounce your name properly? Well, sorry, you just cut out a little bit. Say it again. I said, did you? Did I pronounce your name properly? Did you hear my enunciation? Uh, it's say it again. I said De La Haz. Oh yeah, well, so technically it's it's De La Oz. Ah. But uh, you know, it's one of those things. It's like when I introduce myself to people, sometimes I say it incorrectly myself, just so that it's easy. Yeah, I, your sound it sounds way cooler. There's there's something about Spanish enunciation that my mouth, like my jaw structure, is just not not in the formation to do properly. Uh, my tongue hits yeah. the roof of my mouth or the back of my teeth. It gets it's a mess in there. Right, rolling the rolling of the R's and everything like that. Yeah, it's almost impossible. <laughs> yeah, I was born with it, so I just I have it in me. I always feel so white when I go and order, like, I always oh. order menudo food, menudo from the Mexican food place up the street, right. and just the way I enunciate it, I can, like, hear all the cooks laughing at me. Sure. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so embarrassing, but I don't give a shit. I, That's know, all good. I, I, yeah, I know how that is. And then sometimes I, like, I'll go from sounding real white to then saying something super proper, and that also <laughs> is kind of funny. Yeah. You know what sure. I mean? So I was thinking, I, I don't know, I I feel like you and I maybe met momentarily at a gallery opening or something. I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't, I've, I've, you know, I've seen your work many times, like at old shooting gallery and stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like maybe we shook hands or said hello at some point, but yeah. I don't know that we've ever had uh, an opportunity to shoot the shit. So I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, to talk with me. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Is are am I too loud? Let me know if I'm too loud because I'm I'm a loud. I'm kind of loud. No, you're fine. I control the volume over on this. Oh yeah. Side. <laughs> All right, cool. Cool. Um, and can you see me right now? Because I, I can cannot. See you. I cannot. Oh, you can't see me. Okay. There I go. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Now I can see some of your stuff back in the background too. Yeah. Just studio stuff. So, um, you're in San Francisco, right? Yeah, I'm in San Francisco. Is that where you grew up? Uh, so well, I was born in like Mission Hills, California. Uh, is... So Southern California, but uh, like right by Magic Mountain. Oh, okay. Uh, but I moved to the Bay Area when I was three, so it's kind of one of those things where I feel like I was born and raised here, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I moved to Fairfield, California, which is basically like forty-five miles away from San Francisco and forty-five miles away from Sacramento. Kind of like farmland. Yeah, like, uh, it's kind of like the hills in between, like, there's hills that lead to Napa, you know, it's kind of by Napa, separated by, like, rolling hills and some farmland and some suburbs, too, though, you know, I I definitely grew up in the the suburbs. I've made that drive from San Francisco up through Sacramento into the mountains, then, like, through Tahoe and then back down. You know, right. right at the base. Such beautiful land out there. It's like, you know, it doesn't take that long to get into just the expanse of nature. Right. It's cool. Yeah. And then like, yeah, from Fairfield, Tahoe is like a good two hours away, which is nothing. And and um, and so it's it, it is great to be able to like, you know, I don't know. I, I used to be really into snowboarding. So I'd go snowboarding or I could come to San Francisco and see like what I considered to be, you know, like real art. Because out there it was only like uh, paintings of like like wine bottles and like uh vineyards like vineyards and things like that yeah you know so it was was a nice nice place to grow up because i felt like you know you drive an hour or two in any direction and and it was like nice uh exposure to certain things that well beyond the like the area that you grew up but did you grow up in like a creative environment I ended up like growing up in an environment that was creative, but I had to create it for myself. So no, I didn't, I don't have any like, you know, yeah, I just, I had, I didn't have, I don't have like artist parents or anything like that. I just sort of, um, I had to break away from what was, what, like the, like I said, the main art there, like the biggest event of the year for art where I grew up was called art on the vine. (laughs) <laughs> which is, is exactly what you think considering yeah. what I just said about the wineries and things. Sure. So it was just, you know, that kind of thing. How how rad is that when people are like so psyched on a particular thing, especially alcohol that they're like, 
I'm going to focus a, a significant amount of time to making artwork based around the thing that's awesome for me. Right. I know. And call the whole event like art on the vine. Like, wow. You know, so that was just imagine yeah. like a weed art festival. <laughs> right. Like art on the bud. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> art from the bud. Like <laughs> some corny, some corny title like that. <laughs> so what, uh, what did you start seeing when you came into the city? I started seeing, oh man, I mean, I can drop names. Well, you don't even have to, well, you know, what, like what time period, like what, how old were you when you were going into San Francisco? Like when did, when did art become important for you? You know, like senior year of high school, but then, but, but I, I suppose like straight up 16, you know, you get your driver's license and you can go places like that, you know? Yeah. But that was right around the time where I was getting introduced to people like uh, like Jeremy Fish and, you know, like uh, Sam Flores and like Bigfoot and stuff. They were real big on like, you know, you go into places on like Hate Street and you just see their stuff, you know, like in clothing stores and stuff, above clothes and stuff. And I, it just to me, I had nothing. I had no background whatsoever. So that was like mind blowing. Really. Yeah. And so. Was it one of those like pivotal moments where you like see like an avenue open up, like you see an opportunity, or was it just at you know it seems at like a young age it's mostly just like enjoyable, like you sure. see like it's almost a, just aesthetically enjoyable. Yeah. Um, but looking back now, do you see like do you, did you see that as being an opportune way to spend your time? Yeah, you know. I... I haven't thought about this in a while, but I think that, yeah, the, the, the best way to describe it, the easiest way is just that I saw artwork that was, it just felt younger. It felt, you know, it had more, you know, youthfulness and it spoke to me more than anything that I had seen, uh, you know, from my little suburb life at the time. So it just, it, you know, it's corny, but it spoke to me and then, because it was part of my, not part of my generation necessarily, but part of a sort of, you know, younger, younger generation than anything I was exposed to at the time. And the, San Francisco is a very unique city for that very thing, you know, especially yeah. that time period, even, specifically. Right. Yeah, I think, and I think that has a lot to do with how big the city is and yet how close everything is together, mm -hmm. you know, seven miles by seven miles, basically. And yeah, so... Geography plays a bit... A, big role i think and same right. with new york same type of idea in new york right see i've never I'm, i've never been to new york i have a sh my first like new york show is in july and i'm gonna go for the first time i'm excited nice i uh i just went for the first time last year it's it awesome. pretty amazing man i had a i really liked it a lot yeah everyone says i'm not gonna want to come back you'll want to you'll want to come back <laughs> but I hear i hear rents in san francisco are higher now per square foot than manhattan I know. I've been reading that too. I've been lucky because I'm in a place that's, you know, controlled. But um, yeah, it's been pretty tough for people because of the uh, all the startups and things that are coming here, yeah. and all the uh, the new money with the internet. You know. Well, and up. even then, like that's what something I was going to bring up about the art in the shops and being able to see it around the city. Like, it's it's a city that's so well known for you know young entrepreneur private business owners as opposed to. A, like a corporate landscape that we're sure. typically used to seeing, you know, I see it in San Diego, you see it in Los Angeles, although, you know, there's more entrepreneurs in Los Angeles, but in, in any typical major city, you know, depending where you're at, you're going to find, you know, strip malls and gas stations and sure fast food joints and shit, but you don't see that as much in San Francisco, but that seems to be changing a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's so new. It's like I don't have a pulse on where that's going to go. It's funny. I was just, you know, I just went to Needles and Pens to drop off some books, and we were just talking about that very same thing because there's blocks and there's whole sections of the city that are changing, you know, over the past couple of months from this. And uh, everyone just seems to say the same thing where, you know, no one knows what's going to happen. But luckily, you know, you you live here. If you're a creative person, then you end up having – you know, you, you end up having this bubble of creative people that sort of keep things going no matter what happens as far as like corporate influence. Yeah. So it's, it's, so that seems to be where like the, the hope lies with the locals, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. What did, uh, what did, uh, Orwell call it? Uh, if, 
if there's any hope, it lies in the proles. I think those are like the sort of underground folks. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah right. Like a like to rise up or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. the from 1984. Uh, and somebody was just quoting that today. Somebody, somebody on my Twitter feed was saying that they were going to go back and read 1984 to see if their uh, more aged mind had can adapt to the or sort of utilize the information in a different way than like oh. a tenth grader. Oh, probably. It's that book has aged very well, you yeah. know. Which I guess I seems like maybe we should talk about what's going on in Boston today, since it, right. have you seen any of this? Yeah, I've only fill me in a little bit. It's, well, it's the explosions happening during a marathon. Yeah, so the Boston Marathon was going on today at the finish line. Uh, there was two simultaneous bombs that went off in what. Apparently, what it seems to be is like low grade explosive, not you know a very yeah. like C four or something. I guess would be considered like something explosive like that or dynamite. Maybe is more yeah. high grade, but I think maybe from what it sounds like is maybe some like homemade explosives put in a trash can at like at one end of a block, and then there was another at the end of the at the other end of the block, and the one went off. Then fifteen seconds later, the other one went off. And wow. So, and a, a couple people have died, and a bunch of people yeah, got injured, weird. mangled, you know, some limbs were, were lost. And something that I was thinking about today, like, and I, I talk about this quite a bit on the show, but, um, like, there's this weird bond that comes from tragedy. Like oh, a, sure. A human, an instinctual human bond. And I'm sure, I, I don't know, were you around for the big earthquakes in San Francisco? Uh, what was it? Nineteen eighty-four, right? I was. Didn't they, didn't they have no, one? No, no. You know what? I, it, I I was like a kid playing in a sandbox when that happened. Yeah, that kind of thing. Dur- during the when the when the Giants played the A's and the it, what was it? The Loma Prieta. Uh huh. Yeah, I was like four years old. It was like nineteen eighty-nine. Yeah, and well, uh, the, it's so strange to me that. It, and I've, I've recognized it. I think the first time I recognized this weird bond was when there was a, a, a real serious brush fire in San Diego. Like, literally all of San Diego was covered in smoke. Like, it was gnarly. And there was this weird bond with people at the grocery store because uh-huh. they were all thinking about the same thing. Like, right. every person there was thinking about the fire that was less than, you know, two miles away or whatever. Sure. Rather than, yeah, it, right. It, like, unifies a thought. Which then unifies people. Yeah, you know? it's very interesting, and I've noticed it amongst every sort of tragedy that happens. But the opposite seems to happen when we see somebody in a position of uh, like of of something good happening. So, like, let's say somebody gets a promotion at work. Like, most right. of the people like probably talk shit. Like the coworkers, <laughs> yeah. like, "Fuck that dude, got the job. I, I should have got that shit." Or, like, as artists, like, oh, that person got that show? Oh, well, what the fuck, you know? Like, <laughs> right. There's yeah, a weird right. jealousy that happens as opposed to, like, a common, like, fuck yeah, somebody sure. on the team made it. It's, it's like we're all on opposite teams when it comes to good things, but when it's bad stuff, we all sort of bond together. But even then, like, further thinking about it, like, the weirdness that is tragedy that may happen on the other side of the globe that we have some attachment to but are able to... Uh, sort of disassociate ourselves from a level of uh, emotion or, you know, grievance or anything, you know, and that's not to say that people don't care about other people's lives, but there's something about when tragedy happens within the tribe. Oh yeah. There's a a strange bonding that happens. And I think a lot of it comes from a fear that it's close enough to us. Right. On some sort of very minor selfish level, like when, when tragedy strikes that close to home, there becomes a like, well, it could be me. Sure. Yeah. And especially, I mean, with even what happened today, it's like just from the Internet, it's like unifying all, all runners everywhere, you know, are, are like, OK, I, it's like the runner, runners unite right now, you know? Yeah, it's, it's um, a very strange phenomenon. I know. Yeah, you know, it's it's. Um, I'm I'm thinking about what you said, and maybe it's the whole, you know, like with media. Not that negative news is celebrated more than positive, but it's certainly reported more. And I think that perhaps some of that ha- mindset comes from just the way we've all experienced media since we've been kids, where it's like 
you can be, it's sort of more okay to be vocal about negative things happening than it is to celebrate positive things as a, a, a group of people. And, it's, I, you know, maybe that's just what I was thinking about. <laughs> it's such a different adaptation too, from the way that we used to receive news, you know, 15 years ago, like, I don't think our brains have caught up to the amount of information that we're able to digest. Like, what seems to be a massive amount of violence and war and, you know, murder and shit, because it all becomes readily available, it's right. almost like we're there for each of these things. And I'm, I wonder, like, we, I was talking about this this morning, like, I wonder, does it hurt us by being inundated with, is it too much for us to deal with? Whereas, you know, when we were just nomadic tribesmen, what happened on the other side of the valley was none of our concern because we have no knowledge of it. Sure. Or is it a, is there a level of, okay, we're all becoming vastly aware, <laughs> or not even desensitized, but overly aware of what's happening as a way to justify not letting it happen again in the future yeah i mean or it could and, and the answer that we came up with was that it's like a, a mix of all those things like the center oh, yeah. built up where all those different variables could meet is sort of what's happening yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see well i mean yeah it's one of those only time will tell things but it yeah we we get more news from more outlets than ever before. And that's crazy. And immediately. And, and, ho and immediately. And yeah, hopefully it'll be for the, you know, for the, some sort of greater good rather than, I don't know. That's, that's like crazy. It could just be like a stress burden. Like a, well, just right. A, it could just be why people are taking more prescription medications than ever before. I, you know, I, I don't know. It, it all all that stuff adds up. It's crazy. I, I talk, you know, I'm definitely an optimist, though. So sure. The podcast that I was just uploading before we started this one, the mm -hmm. uh, episode with Joshua Petker. Oh, cool. Uh, he was telling me about when he was in Italy during 9/11. When 9/11 happened, he was okay. in Italy um, on a vacation after school, and he feels like he kind of missed out on something. Like, looking back on it now, like, the sort of compassion that we're talking about, like, the, sure. like being able to sit down and sit, watch the media all day and be with your family or, like, oh yeah, yeah. you know, like, actually digest it in that way. Like, he feels like he kind of missed out on something. And now yeah, it's that, kinda, that's interesting. It's weird I, to look back at it now. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I do remember, I you know, I had, like, a, I really, you know, had, like, a really... I suppose it was a good moment with my mom and dad when that was going on, you know, later, like I went to school, uh, high school at the time, I mean, 2001. And I had to, basically every class was just watching that. But then when I got home, we, I, it was, it, you know, there really was this sense of like, okay, Hey mom, Hey dad, in like a different way, you know, yeah. than, than, you know, when I usually got home from school, it was more like, Hey, straight to my room or whatever. Yeah. We really got to talk about some good things. And so, yeah, going back to what you just said, it really does um, brings people together. And it's weird that we can't do that without the tragedy part. I I know, and it's like more people are even. I mean, even like to to talk about a media thing that is is totally worthless. But I'm saying like more people are going to get up in arms about like. Beyonce lip syncing than if she were to have like an amazing performance. I mean, that's just putting it, you know, I'm putting it, scaling it way down. Yeah. Yeah. Beyonce thing. But I'm saying like that it, it put that into a larger thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, yeah, like, like a tragedy is going to get more reaction than, you know, like a community of people brand banding together to save a, uh, you know, like a children's hospital or something like that, you know? Yeah. And sometimes those things even become ridiculed. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like, I know. Well, I, that's that's why I just for myself and you too. I'm sure I can tell. I mean, I, I it's just one of those things where it's like you got to decide. You really need to decide what's important to you as as a human being, and you have to try and not be. You have to try to not be swayed like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Well, you I think to, that's, you have to really know your values, you know, and you have to stick 
stick by them and know what you need to celebrate and what you need to ridicule without being like, I don't know, some sort of a bigot or something. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously balance is a, is a, a fine place to exist in. Although I don't know that it's, I think it's more of an ideal. The idea of balance is more of an ideal than it is a reality. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. We, our society's made it hard to be balanced. I think, I think that people who really are balanced and feel like they are, they've, they are com- should be commended for being able to sort of have that mind state in like the really hectic world we live in, you know, mm-hmm. unless you're going to, unless you go and become a hermit in a cabin in the woods somewhere, then it's easy. I think <laughs> that, that works for some people that they've found, I think vice has done a couple shows that uh, have focused on some people that have just lived in isolation and some you know, some for some of them, there is a level of happiness. But really, we need human interaction on at least on sure. some level. Sure, at least one other person. Yeah, or at least one other person. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> like everyone, everyone, everybody wants to find love. So if you take that into consideration, then you're absolutely right. Sure, maybe that's the conversation we should have instead of oh. all the the tragedy. <laughs> love, yeah, <laughs> and whether or not everyone wants to find it or not, <laughs> so much better. Well, um, let's talk about, you know, maybe the the use of balance is a good transition point for um, talking about some of the stuff that you make. Uh, particularly the piece in the background right now is a big black and white patterned piece and your T-shirt. There's a there's a level of balance there. Yeah. Nobody else can see this besides <laughs> me. But um, OK, I think you just came back on. You glitched it like the screen turned blue, all that jazz. Yeah, I probably glitched. If it, if it keeps glitching, you can turn the video off. It usually oh, makes. Okay, it here. Out. Let me just try. Let me do it right now. It's funny because right when you ask me about something, you can see on my screen. <laughs> I know it's like fuck that. But uh, yeah, well, this is that's just. I mean, that's that's certainly more of a. Um, well, you know, it's funny. What do you, what do we consider decoration as opposed to artworks as an know, artist. Know, it's kind right. of funny. Like I just caught myself. I was just going to say, well, that's not really a piece. It's just more of a decoration, but well, I think I, I, <laughs> jumping back to so maybe we should try to describe some of the work that you do and which I found, yeah. you know, I found it kind of difficult trying. There's, I don't see your work as being, uh, easily defined. Like there's not a, a specific genre that I think you could be placed in. And to be honest, I actually wasn't quite sure, how you were making things up until I, I watched the video that um, Mission Mission put out, the little oh, box yeah. in there, and yeah. got to see you actually working a little bit. So maybe we could talk about some of the processes that you go through to making stuff and then sort of some of the ideas behind it. Sure. Uh, I've certainly been expanding my medium as of late, so it's a good time to talk about it because it used to be, well, and that's the other thing, it used to be easier for me to talk about it, but... I use, I use, I've primarily done basically nothing but drawing and cut paper works for, you know, like five years. Yeah. And see, that was Um, something you saw in the video is some of that. That's, and that's what I've been trying to figure. Like, it's hard for me to tell based on like internet imagery, you know, where a majority of our information again comes from. Right. Uh, What's printed, what's painted. Like there's a, (laughs) there's a. A contrast that makes it very uh, difficult to discern which is which, and which I found interesting. You know, yeah, in, I like in the a positive fact that people way. have questions like that because they they can't tell. And, and I try to describe it as well as possible. But yeah, it's 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 okay. Where do I begin here? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I like I, lately, especially I'll, I'll make pieces where it has you know sections of the piece that took me you know two hours every five inches, you know, to draw this crazy pattern next to something that was, you know, just like a scan of TV static or something like that, that, you know, technically didn't take any time at all and to put it together or to, um, have like cut paper pieces next to a sculpture that is laser cut. So not by hand at all, uh, you know, and, and and then people are going, okay, well, did he cut them both with his hand or, you know, the cuts look so good. It had to have been a machine. And then, you know, I tell him that I, I did indeed do it by hand. I guess it's, I'm sort of combining like a lot of analog things with, with, with a newfound interest in digital imagery, but then trying to 
skew it in a weird way. Like I've been making sculptures where I've, I've been warping imagery, um, but not by hand. So while the scanner is scanning the imagery, I'm moving the imagery, I guess like a, you know, like a DJ moves a, a record. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that way, once it appears on the screen, it's already warped and it does have a hand element to it because I had to be very controlled with my hand movements. And then I'll mount it in between two sheets of acrylic and have that thing laser cut so that every weird warp that happened on the image gets perfectly cut out by, by a machine. But then at the same time, I'll make pieces of like foliage, like palm frond type things coming in from the edges of a, of a, of, of the, the frame of the, of the piece that are entirely hand cut. But, um, I suppose if you were looking at them both at the same time, you wouldn't be able to tell which was hand done and which was machine done because I've gotten pretty good at cutting, you know, so yeah. I can kind of inter intertwine the two things. Are, do you feel like you're, you're sort of making a nod towards uh, what's now becoming an ancient design technique, you know, in terms of like the use of, of, I, I want to, uh, I want to use the term collage, but I don't feel like collage really fits exactly what you're doing, and that sort of gets back you. to defining the defining terms. Right. It's been every time someone asks me what I do, it, I want to say collage, but then I know what people will think if uh -huh. I say that word. You know what I mean? And there's there's a lot of artists right now who are sort of challenging what collage means and what it, you know. I think that's great. And so yeah, it's more like. Um, it's hand, like hand cut paper on paper with, um, you know, some ink in there. <laughs> and so you're using I, a lot like, of it, uh, like exacto blades and. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I suppose my number one thing that I use is an exacto knife. Out of it, anything, ever. And then I use, you know, like sharpie poster paints and micron pens and things like that. Yeah. Um, but then you know, lately I've been doing things where I've been making custom puzzles. Of, of imagery and then I've been taking just looking at it like a checkerboard and just taking a piece out of each one and switching them out one by one so that it becomes this sort of like um, you know like I just made a piece where you can see that it's a face from very far away but you get close and you can see the abstraction of the puzzle pieces because they're it's it's like this weird um, static mixed with like a, a head of a statue so stuff like that it's it's all kind of new and i've just always been under the impression that if i feel like doing something i should just do it and not worry too much about like you know if i'm if i'm switching things up from what i normally do i i I've just been sort of going with it you know yeah um is there's a sort of a, like a level of discombobulation that sort of happens to the eye when looking at some of this stuff, like yeah. some of the patterning work, is that something you're trying to affect the viewer with specifically? Or is that just something like a naturally occurring thing of, of working with certain pattern forms? I, I think it, I think it is. It, 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 I want it to be an effect. So everything from like a warpy looking static pattern to like, you know, a trippy, like op art thing. I, 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 I use that, in the same way that I'll make a, a sculpture that is warping in front of somebody's eyes. So I just want a disorientation to happen. I always find that interesting with artist work that, that do that sort of thing. For me, it looks like a sort of visual way of questioning reality, which I think is a, a creative person's uh, sort of uh, M.O., you know, yeah. like questioning almost everything, you know, and that's sort of what I was talking about earlier, like trying to question what it is about tragedy that causes us to act a certain way. Like I was thinking about all the people who who use the terminology, like sending out their prayers. Like I'm curious, besides the hyper religious, like who are these are these people really sitting down and sending prayers out? Like, you know, so like questioning everything. It, including what is perceivably reality seems to be something that I get as a viewer with some of this work. It, like, like the way you do the, the, the three sculptures in a row where it, it, like you were talking about the way that you do it, but the, the, the multitudes of distortion that take yeah. place. Like, is that, is that something that is important for you or is a, is a part of the way you work or is that just a part yeah. of working? Well, um, 
yeah, it's kind of been a reoccurring theme with my latest work to to have have repetition, but then have something be transforming in front of you. So, and and always being it, it's always something that starts off normal, totally normal, and then okay, it gets a little warpy, and then you know, whoa, it's you know almost fuzzed out to the point of um, you know disappearing. Stuff like that's interesting to me. And um, what about and, you know, uncomfortableness? Is that do you, what, is there again? what about uncomfortableness? I, there's almost this, you know, sometimes like listening to like old 80s songs has a tendency mm-hmm. to make me have like a, a slight discomfort, like an unease. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Even like like what about that song Tainted Love, you know? It's got that like weird that it's that synth thing. It's the synth, yeah, the synth it, that does it. Totally. <laughs> it makes me feel like almost like I'm gonna go into convulsions or something from bright lights. Like there's like a an uneasiness that, that happens sometimes. I and I get that a little bit from your work and and, and again, not to say it it may sound negative in some aspects of some people, but for me that sort of stuff is interesting that certain imagery can can emote a certain feeling. Sure. I think that it has to do, well, man, this is all like real loose thought here, but you know, you, you, you grow up and, and if, and you sort of, sometimes in many occasions, you'll find out that what you learned wasn't even the entire truth. You know <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about? You know, you know, <laughs> I see your yeah. face. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's crazy, you know, you, like what you've been taught or what has been taken out of history, you know, important things that weren't mentioned because of certain bodies of power that didn't want you to know. And so that very, very loosely goes into the idea of me taking an image of antiquity and kind of making it so that what you thought it was, you find out it wasn't Mm -hmm. by the time you're finished. And I know that's, that's something that, you know, thoughts like that don't make its way into the show on paper or anything, but you know, it's like that kind of the past is not what you thought it was or, or something that you, that you thought you knew, you know, you, you, your world kind of gets rocked or something, yeah. you know, like that, I yeah. guess. You can even look at it from a future perspective, too. Like, the same thing could be said about the future. Like, oh, yeah. We, we put all these ideas out there that what the world and life is supposed to be like, and it never really is. Oh, yeah, like 2001 Space Odyssey, you know, right? The year yeah. 2001. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's 2013, and we're not necessarily flying in cars or anything. Yeah, right. I like things like that. That's hilarious. Like, I don't know, man. I talk about YouTube being a goddamn time machine. And even last night was a, a sort of a, it reinforced that idea. I was watching Coachella from okay. my chair in my at my desk while I'm working on a painting. Like on some level that's some form of time travel. And I was, sure. I was thinking about this like in comparison to the tragedy stuff like watching all those videos. I always say that our mind is kind of stupid and it takes <laughs> in this information partly as if it were there. Like it doesn't really our our mechanic uh, our, our machinery doesn't uh sort of adapt to modern technology. It hasn't adapted to modern technology. Yeah, not fully, no way. It doesn't know how to process all of it yet. And I think, you know, like those ideas of stress, playing these videos in our head and seeing what's happening at the moment it's happening is Mm -hmm. almost like putting us in the tragedies. Or in this case, since we're trying to talk about love instead, in this case, I got to watch Wu-Tang from front row, you know, in my underwear. Right, and which, in my opinion, is a lot smarter than actually going because I can't handle festivals like that. Uh, I can't. I can't. And you save money. Everything is better. (laughs) Large groups of people make me want to start choking everyone. Right, and then and you you have to stand really far away, and then you're like what out three hundred bucks. I don't know how much it costs. Yeah, it's crazy expensive. And they had a wicked dust storm. Oh yeah, because they are out in the middle of the motherfucking desert too. Right. Right. But I got to watch that shit in comfort, and it was, I got to piss in my own toilet. Right, beautiful. yeah. See, I love going to shows, but I can't do it if there's more than, like, five bands on the bill or something like that, you know? Yeah. I, I I stopped going to concerts, probably. Like, not that I won't go to them, but... Oh, I was going to say, like, you made a decision it's not, to just, it's not like, I'm not No more! This I don't like happening. music anymore. But No, I love music. I, right. It's a part of my everyday. And I watch tons of live shows on YouTube all the time. Oh, right. See, I don't do that enough. I need to start getting on the computer more. 
<laughs> it's it's fucking fan. And not only that, but you can go back to the sixties and seventies and fifties. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Like and I, get yeah. all that stuff as well. There's so much fucking. There's so much good stuff out there that you can get right at your fingertips. So it's like, well, we don't have flying cars or flying skateboards, but. I could fucking go back to 1972 and sit down in the front row at Led Zeppelin, at a Led right. Zeppelin concert. I might be predating Led Zeppelin with 72. That might be a little <laughs> Yeah, weird. I'm not sure either. But know. you need to be grateful that you even have that mindset because some people, as you know, it would never, ever stop and appreciate something like that. You know what I mean? You know how it is. Like that Louis C.K. joke where like, what is it? You know, he's just talking about how people are complaining about the internet going out when they're on a plane. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's just talking about we're in a pl- like we're flying somewhere in a steel. You know, it's like it used to take six months to get from New York to <laughs> yeah. Boston or whatever, and now you can get there in you know forty five minutes, and everyone's still bitching. You know, so and it's like, like it it's like age, man. You can't you don't notice it until you look back a little bit, right? But right. Those, those flying cars probably aren't that far off. Yeah, I know that that's going to be dangerous. <laughs> but you know what? I, I think that 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 won't be done until we decide that there's a, a better source of of energy. Cause, oh yeah, that's you know, yeah. There's so much politics involved and all that stuff. Oh man, the oil moguls—they want to keep us driving big cars. Oh know, yeah, getting thirty miles to the gallon. I mean, they right. know we could get like two hundred or something that's a, stupid. That's a whole podcast right there. Who killed the electric car? That's like a whole. That's like a whole conversation. It's crazy. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Let's even um, just what's up? Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say even just thinking about like the the battle between like AC and DC, you know, with like Tesla mm-hmm. and everything back in the day. It all just you know they say everything goes in circles. That stuff just is still happening. It's Thomas just Edison not as a fucking prick broadcasted. You know, I know it's crazy. Um, let's talk about some of the work that you've been doing. Uh, but yeah. Is, did the show just come down at the, the Ruka Gallery? No, get this. So that, that show is up until May 25th. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> because uh, because they essentially get a noise complaint every time they do a show. <laughs> yeah. So they do not do shows every month any longer. It's more like two and a half months, which is kind of nice because also yeah. their hours are – I mean – you know, some galleries have hours that are worse than the post office, you know? And it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mondays from two to three and by appointment only or whatever. Yeah. Catch but, me uh, if you can. Yeah. Th- th- so Ruka's open 11 to seven every day and the show's going to be up for like two and a half months. So that was, so that's cool. It's totally still there. I actually just went back for the first time since the opening to have my friend uh, photograph it all so that I could, uh, you know, update my website. But yeah, I just, that was like the most new work I've ever had in one room at one time. How'd that and, feel? Uh, it was great. You know, it was one of those, like I invited my mom. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Sometimes I just, you know, it's not worth for my mom to come out for every little thing I do. But in this case, you know, I had the whole fam there and it was cool. Yeah. Beautiful. And you did the show with, um, Ben Venom and the, did the front uh, yeah and uh, Bill McWright. So yeah. the way it works is that they were you know really separated though in a good way. What they did the window display. So uh-huh. um, you know so on the corner of um, Haight and Ashbury, literally at any moment of the day, you can go and look at that window display. But then my solo show is in the gallery, which is in the back. Right, and um, they have like a uh, shop all the way up in front. the back. Yeah, yeah. It, it like it used to be a gap, so it's really really uh, it's a really big place. Dude, Ruka is making power moves over the last ten years. Yeah, they, he's he's really got it going on. That guy, PM Tenor. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but yeah. uh, I like what they're doing with the ANP, like Artist Network Program. All that stuff is super cool. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, man. We I, I just had um, Ben Horton on the show, who uh, is a part of that as well. Nice. It, it seems like they're dictating like trends in the art world to a certain extent like having some sort of level of uh cultural power it, maybe that's not the right sort of terminology but yeah, maybe, yeah well i mean that sounds inherently negative but yeah i know, I know yeah. exactly what you're saying I, there's so many things that i say on the podcast that i just try <laughs> to preface or you know put a disclaimer right. on that i'm just using words that will maybe make you understand what it is that i'm trying to say Sure. It's, it's rarely the the actual words that I'm meaning to say. Because yeah, I, I, it is one of those things where I 
I know that their heart is in the right place. And so their support of artists is really uh, phenomenal. Yeah, I've been stoked and, uh, on him. Support their support of the jujitsu. Uh, yeah, world. yeah, he's real big on that. It's really cool to see all that, and I know you're you're big on that. Yeah, have you ever That's, have you ever no experienced any martial arts stuff? Never. Nope. Not. Very I mean, you know, I've seen movies. <laughs> I you know I didn't start until I was thirty. Gotcha. See, I'm twenty. I turned twenty eight in September. You'll be looking for something around 30. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Talking about the future, I'm giving a new, you that. A new avenue in two and a half years from now? Okay, yeah. I'll pick you up on that. Something's very strange that happens around 30, and I'm sure I'm projecting it, but I've heard it from other people too. Hey, yeah, I'm excited about it. I know a lot of cool 30-year-olds, that's for sure. Right. I uh, I know I I saw you you got tattooed by my buddy Paul Urich. Ah, uh, yeah. I got it. it. I got Recently? I, what, yeah, check it out. So I got it the day of the my I can't opening, see you. the Ruka show. I can't see you, by the way. Oh, right. You want me to turn that back on? Yeah, I want to see the tattoo. That'd be right. Yeah, all right. Uh, it's not too... Br- oh, yeah, there it goes. It brightens up. See it right there? It's, yeah, uh, nice. Um, Reaper it's wings. Yeah, so, wings. yeah, like spider webs. Um, and, yeah, you know, my last name means of the sickle. So... Yeah, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, but uh, right. that's why I got the. So it's like a Grim Reaper with some spider webs and a big old sickle for my last name. Right. Uh, but I got it uh, like three hours before the opening of my solo show at Ruka, so it was like one of those things where the whole night people were hitting me right there. I saw my right. <laughs> oh show. no! Great that's show. I'm like, thanks, man. It was, but it was one of those things where, and this sounds really corny too, but I, I was like on fire in my brain, in my heart, and in my on my right arm. Your actual like skin. The, the whole night, I was I I really felt alive that night. It was Man, good. that's really awesome. But what do you uh, concern yourself with the downside of that? There's something I talked to tattoos. I, no, no, no. I've talked to musicians and like artists about the sort of after the high of a show. Like the sort of lull that comes after that. Do you did you find any recognize any of that happening? I mean, I know exactly what you mean. You spend so much time mulling over or thinking about an exhibition, and when it's over, it's like, wow, what do I do now? But um, actually, for the first time in my life this year, I've had like a, I have a pretty crazy schedule of of exhibitions and. And, and things so I've kind of been like on to the next right yeah, after no time to think about that shit right yeah so, but but I but I, in the past definitely I know exactly what you mean where it's like okay I just spent you know six months like you know how it is it's like you you can have a conversation with someone you can do this you can do that but you're thinking about your show yeah. in the back of your head no it's like New Year's Day like oh or, yeah you know, like thinking to that countdown if if remembering dates and years is important for somebody or, you know, like that sort of mentality or like the day before your birthday or something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden it's like, wait, I don't have to think about what I've been thinking about nonstop for six whole months. Yeah. What do, you know, yeah, you got to like get back into the regular groove of being a human being, regular, regular person. <laughs> In that but, sense, uh, there's sort of like a level of like uh weight off your shoulders then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and and usually I have longer of, of a period of that, but in this case, you know, so I'm opening up a shop. Okay, yeah, so that's we're just talking about Paul. Uh, so Paul Paul has a uh, a storefront. Essentially, Paul's you know Paul's hangs out there. It's his studio. He does tattoos in the back, um, but then in the front, it's a storefront, and he's been working with people to sort of have a revolving door of um, art shows pop-up shops, you know, you name it. So in this case, um, on May 11th, which is right around the corner, so that's what I mean. Right after the Ruka show, it's like, okay, now i got to think about the store. Yeah. And so May 11th, I'm going to open up a, uh, a store, which is based on, like, the T-shirts that I make, which are different than, than my personal work. But, but um, they still have that same feeling, man. Like, I was thinking about your T-shirts and, like, that sort of that – that idea of uncomfortableness or yeah, there's a, (laughs) I get that from your t-shirts too, man. And again, (laughs) it's really hard to define the style. So like your, your fashion style is, Oh, it's crude. (laughs) It's very different. Crude design wise. I would say for one thing, like there's a, like there's something cool about it at the same time though. 
Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. And and what I mean by crude, it's not crude, like in a humor way, I don't think, but it's like, yeah, it's, 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 I, you know what it is? Here's what it is. You remember going to the mall when you were younger and they had those little kiosks where it's like, you can take your photo right there and then they'll put it on a mug or they'll put it on a shirt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, they don't take the time to Photoshop you out of the back. You know, they, when they print you on a shirt, it says like, you know, we love grandma. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and it's got like the three kids. It's like they just print it as like a one big crude box of an image right on the front of a white T-shirt. Uh-huh. And like that's that's seriously my influence, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Like I don't want the stuff to look sleek and designed well. And for one thing, I can't design well, so I'm sort of working in my means. Or I mean, I, I'm not very good with computers. Uh, and so that's kind of like the whole – genesis of the brand and like cool try and it's just an inside joke you know the 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 way that started is i was at a karaoke bar like four years ago and somebody was up there and i had been drinking and somebody was up there (laughs) (laughs) and i like i like your face right now that's funny and and someone was up there and they were just terrible and they were they were they were (laughs) were terrible and my my social uh barriers weren't there because i had been drinking they get off the stage they walk like five feet in front of me and i yelled out to them i said hey cool try you know (laughs) just out of nowhere real rude it was so mean yeah and all my friends were like, because they know me, and I'm not like that. I'm not mean like that. And but that was mean. And they were like, "Did you hear what you just said?" And for one thing, like, what the fuck is cool try? Like, then we just started saying it. You know, it, like whether or not we meant it as a snide remark or a compliment, my friends and I just started saying it. So it really just became this inside joke. Once I started making T-shirts, I used that as the name. But then. Another thing to mention is like, you know, I'll make T-shirts sometimes where they don't say the brand because I understand that it's like I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make a brand, you know, even though it is and it's becoming something. It's my mentality about it is that like I don't walk around with big brand names on me, so I don't want to force other people to either. You know what I mean? But some shirts say it. Some shirts don't. Just depends on how I'm feeling at the time. That's a that's a strange dichotomy, right? Like I've thought about that a lot. Like a lot of the t-shirts that I've made just, you know, screen printing with my buddies, like making yeah. shit or just getting like small run stuff. I've done stuff that doesn't have any sort of logo or anything. And even like I remember when I was doing stuff in the street, like I would never put names attached to things. So there mm-hmm. was never like a way to associate it back to a particular like name recognition. And yeah. I, I had I don't really even know why I was doing that. It just was just how it was working. But that's sort of like when you're making a T-shirt, what air quotes brand, mm-hmm. you know, you're supposed to be like focusing on a logo. Like there's all these like made up rules that of the way things are supposed to go. And it's it's refreshing to have somebody saying kind of fuck you to all that shit. Well, yeah, and like even like <laughs> like you know I don't do seasons. You know, there's shirts. You know, I've been selling some of the shirts. It's like I made them, I designed them in 2010 and I'm still selling them. It's not, it's one of those things where it's like, I want to make it. So if someone wants something, it's not like I'm going to be, well, that was last season. We don't make it anymore. You know, it's like for now, it's just been, it's been all fun because I take my artwork seriously. I don't, I don't necessarily take cool try seriously, but, 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 but I do, I mean, just because I, I, I guess I take everything seriously. So I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but it's, it's more fun. It's just supposed to be fun. And so, and so what happened is, you know, Paul and I became buddies because, you know, that's how it is. If you're creative in San Francisco or any, you know, area where there's creative people, you're eventually going to link up. And Paul and I, you know, we're emailing each other and then we found out we were in a group show at fecal face. And so the night of, I'm, you know, I asked him if he wanted to tattoo me right. next thing, you know, he's asking me if I wanted to open up a store in his storefront and that's right. what's happening on May 11th. So that's how that happened. Right. I tried to get him on the show before we, we actually, we were sitting down to do the interview and oh. his internet took a shit at the studio. Oh, so at this, that's so fun. It's so close to where I am right now too. It's, it's crazy. It's like a, 55 second walk literally from where i am so it's really it's really cool i was saying that san francisco should never have internet problems ever i know yeah tell me about it look i'll see if you could can you see let's see if i got the my screen's really small so it's hard to see let's see i have some paul urich pieces up behind me oh nice i can see some framed stuff there's a skateboard i think it's behind my head those two little pieces right there 
Okay. Which nobody awesome. on the internet can hear. Yeah, he's good. You know, I, I like yeah, him a lot. Like when he when he said he would give me a tattoo, I felt super honored, and that was that was that was a good experience for sure. He um he did an episode of uh, my buddy Joe Swanson's podcast. Who he got he apprenticed under uh, Joe Swanson, I believe, oh, for tattoos. Okay. Um, but the, those guys did a podcast, so shout out to those dudes. Nice. Um, so let's uh, let's plug some of your stuff so that people can go see what you're doing, and um, let's uh, get the dates out for when the store is opening, and maybe where people can find some of your shirts at. Right. Okay. Uh, so shirts and things. Uh, the website is it's just cooltry.net. So funny, so. man. <laughs> What's that? It, it depends on how you say it, like how you enunciate the cool and the try, <laughs> oh, to whether oh, yeah. it becomes insulting or like it's like a pat on the back. <laughs> right. It's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing. But yeah, cool dot net is uh, is you know the shirts and things uh, for art shows that I have coming up. You know, you can just go to ryandelaos dot com, but that's that's tough. You got to we got to spell that one out. It's uh, a <laughs> So my website is just my name. It's R-Y-A-N-D-E-L-A-H-O-Z.com. And, um, yeah, because I'm doing the store in May. I have a show in New York in July, and then I have a, a, a solo in Portland in December to, like, finish off the year. So, Oh, nice. You're going to show up at uh, Breeze Block, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, the way they're doing it is that they have two different galleries, and they're essentially going to show somebody who will get people there. <laughs> <laughs> in the front gallery, in the front gallery, and then then force them to see my stuff in the back. It they got perfect. a cool thing going. I've um, I was up there for a show not too long ago, and uh, met Sven and all those guys. And see, I've never Paige. met any of them. Yeah, good people. I, I, are you doing the um, postcard show too? Yeah, yeah, and, and you're in that too. I saw yeah. your stuff on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah, I've been getting weird with my shit. Well, I've been getting weird with my shit. <laughs> It feels like it's the right time to do that. Yeah, maybe it's that. Well, wait, you're not thirty any longer, I'm, right? You're saying you got into jujitsu when you were thirty. Yeah, it took. It's taken me three years to get weird. <laughs> nice. Well, <laughs> from that point, never too anyway. late to get. Well, there's this. There's. I work at Oakland Museum, um, and we have this reel of 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 artists just saying these little blurbs, and some of them are inspirational, and some of them are just purely like uh, informal. But one of them. It, was Paul Koss and he was talking about how he's saying like, since it's, I, I, I'm going to say it less eloquently than he does, but, um, cause I can't remember it entirely, but it's something along the lines of where he's saying that since you're not going to make a living as an artist, or at least it's very hard to, you might as well do what you want. Like any demons, anything you have, anything you need to express, anything you need to get out there. It's like, you might as well do it. And then he said something you know, tongue in cheek, he said, you know, it's been terrible for my career, but wonderful for my soul. And then he laughs. And the irony there is like, you know, he's showing in museums, so he's doing just fine. Yeah. And it's yeah, one of those it things where out. it's like, it's a good thing that he was able to do whatever he felt like because it got him to where he is today. You know? Yeah, that's, that's a good spot to end it on, time. I think. What's that? So that's a good spot to end it on, I think. Yeah, yeah, some positivity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. It's so dreary at the beginning. Oh, it's all good. That's good. It makes you got dichotomy there. It's right. cool. Full spectrum. Yeah. All right, my friend. I uh, I want to thank you again for taking the time to shoot the shit with me. I do appreciate it. Oh yeah, man. And and then next time we meet, it'll be uh, you know more than just a handshake. Be real life. Yeah, man. All right, beautiful. All right, Ryan. Thanks again, man. Have a great day. All right, you too. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye.